0: Rippy writes with Brian Scott. Lippey. Transcript can be obtained by drinking a fifth of bourbon, ramming your head through some drywall and then writing down every thought you have.
1: What is up on a Sunday night, Monday morning, whenever you're listening to this, I am Brian Scott Rippy, Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Rippy writes podcast. We've got our Sunday sec baseball conversation with Colin Brister as we cover the Rebels' sweep over Purdue on the weekend, talk some pitching, bullpen improving, looking a little bit better. What the Rebels are going to do with one of their rotation spots as Grayson Sonnier struggled this weekend, an uh, offense that is hitting the baseball well, and kind of the team's outlook going into SEC play. So I think you'll enjoy the conversation, buckle up. We will, um, I know there's been some basketball news kind of news this week. We'll be talking to Bracken Ray. I think on Tuesday, if the timeline that I think is how this is going to go down with the whole beard thing is correct think we'll talk to Bracken on Tuesday, um, presuming that Beard is in fact announced as the old Miss head coach. So we'll have a basketball pod for you later in the week, but this is Colin and I on our usual Sunday night spot. So, just wanted to make that note. Before we get to that, though, I want to remind you the podcast is brought to you by Skybox Sports Picks. Who is Skybox Sports Picks? Well, glad you asked at the world's best gambling handicapping website, the inventors of the Skybox Matrix Interval, an advanced modeling mechanism that has helped propel Skybox to the top of the sports handicapping industry. It is March Madness. Selection Sunday is upon us. You need to sign up for Skybox for the NCAA tournament. If you love wagering in the NCAA tournament and you're tired of losing money, follow Skybox this year. I promise you it will be well worth the time. They will lead you to profit more consistently in the long run than anyone else. I can guarantee you, you are going to want them to have Skybox on your side during this NCAA tournament. Sign up now. All you have to do is go to skyboxsportspicks.com. Sign up for the picks package. You can sign up for the NCAA tournament package. You can try it for a day, a week, a month. Whatever the case may be, you're going to find a picks package that fits your price range of your preferred sport. Type in the promo code Rippy RIPP. R-I-P-P ee and that'll get you twenty percent off any purchase. They'll send you the picks in a nice color coded spreadsheet. Stay ranked by unit, and boom, you'll be better equipped to profit than you were in the long run. If you're wagering on March Madness in particular, you need to use Skybox. I promise. You'll thank me later. Check them out. SkyboxSportsPicks.com. Podcast is also brought to you by LB's University Avenue. there in Oxford. Go see Greg. If you're a Rippy Wright subscriber, that's RippyWrites.Substack.com. Get a free newsletter from me. That'll have some Chris Beard thoughts coming your way in the morning. And discounted meats. Uh, Right now, the LB special. Three six-ounce bacon wrap place for 20 bucks. about a $40 valuation given to you for 20 bucks, just to, for subscribing to a free newsletter. Just go in, show Greg proof of subscription. He'll get you set up. Then go find all your own favorites, all kinds of delicious cuts of meat, fresh seafood, sausages. LB's is the best butcher shop in the world. Go see him. Go see Greg. Tell him we sent you LB's University Avenue there in Oxford. All right, we now welcome on Rippy Wright's baseball correspondent, Colin Brister, you are on the road. You guys are playing baseball. I am just recently off the road. I got back from Dallas a few hours ago. As we record this, a little bit late on a Sunday night. But uh, you are down in South Mississippi.
0: Yeah, I am. Uh, I'm uh, at Um uh, We are uh, playing down this way over over spring break. Um, so yeah, um, we just we just made a uh, a decision to take. Um, so think about when you were 14 to 18 years old. Okay? Yeah. Um, and we just, so we just took a bunch of, let's see, we've got 28 teenagers on this trip and we just took them to golden corral where they get to eat as much as they want. Like there's no, there's no limit. Um, I have made better decisions in my life.
1: Yeah, I could see how that Now, Did you go to the golden corral after you got to Macomb at your destination? Or did you yes, guys go on yes, the way? Yes.
0: Yes. Yes. We went to the hotel, checked in and then went to the golden corral and went back. I mean, the kids were fine, but like, just imagine being 14 to 18 years old and there's, like, a plethora of food, and they're like, you can have as much as you want. I'm sure so.
1: A couple of those kids might eat their way into an injury. Just like, I can't go tomorrow. Stomach Stomach's all over the place, Coach. <laughs> well,
0: <laughs> better take some Pepto, kid.
1: We actually uh, – one time I was on a junior high basketball trip, um, and about – we were going to, like, Greenwood or Greenville, Mississippi, Washington School, or Pillow. I can't remember <laughs> – and I'd say seven or eight of the 15 kids on the team, we actually decided to go golden corral before we met for the bus. And uh that turned out to be an issue because there's one bathroom on that bus.
0: <laughs> and it and, and the good thing about that is you get to ride it there and back with uh, whatever you decide to do to that bathroom. Yes, and I don't remember I don't remember
1: it being uh I would say traumatic. So I think it worked out okay, but I do remember it enough to know like. Had we not pulled in where we pulled in within about 15 minutes, we could have had a real terrible situation on our hands amongst a few people. I'll just leave it at that. So Golden Corral and uh, athletes, probably not the greatest mix, but you got to do what you got to do when you're on the road. We ate at all kinds of places like that. Pizza places, kind of the buffet style. If you can just pay and then allow everyone to get what you want, that's the easiest way to serve uh, 20-something
0: teenagers for sure. You know what I've read is probably fun for, like, the old Miss kids is I think, I don't know what per diem is now, but it used to be like what, 20, 25 bucks a day. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure those kids like figure out a way to spend like seven bucks. And then they save the 18 bucks a day for like whatever in God's name they want to buy. Uh, that is not extremely healthy. I bet that they figure out very creative ways to use that $25 very cheaply for food and, and uh, invest the other like 55 bucks another way.
1: That's just one of life's great joys in general. Old, young, whenever, if you get a free X amount of money to kind of spend on, you know, what, whatever you're supposed to spend it on, if you can kind of cut costs and then just pocket it or spend it elsewhere, that's quite nice. We actually used to do that the year I was working as a grad assistant in the athletic department. Yeah. We would get ours for books. And in grad school, particularly the IMC program, um, I just say it's not hard for law school, um, I really <laughs> stretch the imagination in that program. Uh, I enjoyed it myself, but uh, some classes had varying degrees of pricing on books, and there's a couple books that were optional, not required. Point being, um, we had a nice sized check, and if you fell under the margin, you just got to pocket that money, and that was always a nice game to play. Do I really need this book or not?
0: Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Pat sent us. I don't know. Did you, I can't remember if you came with us or not to uh, Nola in 2015. It just, I, I had a bunch of money to distribute to people for like food and stuff, which was a large mistake to give 21-year-old me uh, like a t- decent amount of money to distribute among like five or six people working. And it was crazy the amount of money we spent on food versus the amount of money we spent on um, not food.
1: Yeah, that's just, it's just it's kind of a don't ask, don't tell thing. I can see Pat Thompson kind of just saying like, we do the responsible thing, but she probably knew what was going to happen there
0: we uh all i remember from the first night is that six of us so we had two hotel rooms and um we woke up all in one hotel room with like three people on the floor three people in a bed and, like one dude in a bathtub that nobody had ever met that's just efficiency man
1: then you switch to the next room the next night <laughs> go back and forth leave that one untainted
0: <laughs> so- oh god sometimes i miss college and then
1: sometimes i don't I have that same struggle every time I remember a college story. To I'm like, damn, that was fun. I'm like, actually, I'm not sure I'd want to do that again. So it was fun, but uh, <laughs> I'm not sure I'd go back at this point. Um, on to the baseball. Ole Miss sweeps Purdue to cap out what would be, a, I guess, that's a nine game stretch against Big Ten opponents. Is that correct? Yeah. That's yeah. that right? And, and eight and one the one loss coming on friday to maryland so the rebels are big 10 champs sit with the size of a lead in the conference as they enter uh sec play so they're just playing two conference uh conferences this season um this is always an interesting weekend because it's the last weekend before conference play 99 times out of 100 it's the opening weekend of spring break for students you're usually not playing a formidable opponent so from like a Test your focus type of thing. And for some reason, I always remember this like weekend after a couple of hot weekends as a teaser, a couple of warm weather ones. This one can kind of dip back and become cold again. So mm-hmm. in terms of like testing your focus and kind of not dropping one that you're probably going to look back and wish you'd had later in the year. uh, Mission accomplished for Ole Miss. I wouldn't say it was a perfect weekend by any stretch. I didn't think they played particularly well uh on Saturday. And then the Friday game got a little weird. But uh, overall, mission accomplished. They found a way to win a tough game in the middle. And then really, Purdue gave them more of a challenge on Sunday than I anticipated. And Ole Miss still kind of put that one away late. I'd say overall, job well done.
0: Yeah. Look, you you win three baseball games against a Power 5 team, you'll take it every time. Um, I thought, you know, look, in the spirit of full disclosure, I did not watch a pitch on Saturday. Um, I've, I've watched most Friday and and, and some of today. Um, it's been a hectic week. But I thought today was important. And and I know this sounds weird because everybody's like, oh, they won 6-1. They did, but JT Quinn and Sam Takuin and T- Xavier T- pitched well in spots. And I think those guys are going to have to be meaningful contributors um, for the Ole Miss Rebels heading into SEC play. And they were, and they pitched well in big spots and they gave Ole Miss big outs. I thought that was important. Um, So when you look back at the totality of this weekend, I thought Sunday was massive from that standpoint. Look, you know what you're getting. And Jack Doherty at this point is going to give you a solid start and your offense is going to – hopefully after he holds them down, your offense is going to get going. The question mark is obviously what you're going to do from a pitching standpoint on Saturday. Um, Xavier Rivas, two weekends in a row, has given you everything you needed from a Sunday starter. It's – when we look at this going into SEC play, it's what, what are you doing on Saturday?
1: Yeah, exactly. I think that's kind of the question. And real quick to kind of peel back the bullpen piece of it for a moment, I'm glad you went there off the top because I thought that was an important aspect of today too, is one, you're seeing roles kind of develop a little bit or at least the guys that they're going to depend on, and we spoke about this a little bit last Sunday on the podcast, where he was like, "All right, you kind of know who the guys are now, right? It's going to be Mitch Morell, it's going to be Sam Tacoyan You might get a little Braden Jones or Matt Parento mixed in. You actually got J.T. Quinn uh, for an inning, and then he tried to go beyond an inning, and it didn't necessarily work out today, but pitched overall pretty effectively. But the, like, you kind of know who it is outside of Mason Nichols. It's kind of those three, four guys, you know, some Jones." They've let Morris pitch a couple ninth innings oh. when the score hasn't been great, and he's actually looked okay. But I thought another piece of this uh, that was, I think, important too, you mentioned to um outing on Sunday. Well, him and Morrell both pitched on Sunday for the second time in a weekend, and they were effective both times, which is yep. not always the easiest thing to do. And so I thought that was another good sign on top of it.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, you remember, I don't know if we were doing the podcast, I guess it would have been in and. 18. Um, so not, not quite yet, but if you remember the Will Etheridge deal, like he was really dominant the first time. Um, and then the second time he was unusable. Um, he he just, for whatever reason, his stuff flattened out and it wasn't as good. Um, so certainly it's good to see that those two guys are are able to contribute in multiple, um, days on the weekend. So look, uh, uh, Ole Miss is, and I thought about this this weekend, right? If, if Hunter Elliott and look, it's not nobody's in a perfect world, but if Hunter Elliott wasn't hurt and you could go Hunter Elliott, Jack Doherty, Xavier Rivas, I think everybody would say this, this pitching staff is really pretty solid because you look at those three guys and then you've got Nichols closing games. I think you believe in, in Sam Takoyan. Tico, uh, I think you believe in JT Quinn. I think you believe in Braden Jones and that's enough arms to get you through Um, so, so really the injury to Hunter Elliott is what has set this team back and has put some people into different roles. And obviously if you're Ole Miss, the the hope is that when he returns in April, he's able to, to retake his Friday or Saturday role and, um, it pushes somebody to the bullpen and, and, and your bullpen gets extended that way. Um, but obviously right now they're, they're kind of on fumes because, you know, look, your Friday night guy goes out and that's going to throw everything out of whack.
1: Yeah, and to, speaking specifically of Tekoy, and you know, if you look at just his numbers standpoint, he had a rough outing against Maryland where he was actually pretty damn good for the first inning and then things spiraled on him pretty quickly in that second inning. He ended up with four walks and five strikeouts, just two innings pitch. Like, his ERA and kind of your base level stat numbers don't stick out, but over his last three appearances, this would be uh, two innings against Southern Miss in the midweek and what was a nice win for the Rebels and then two appearances this weekend. He has covered... Four and two thirds innings. He is not a lot of an uh, earned run. He is not a lot of hit, and he's got five strikeouts and two walks.
0: That'll play. Yeah, no, he was really good. Um, and those are th- both competitive offenses, too. Yeah, I think they'll trust him in, at the back end of the game. Look, uh, this weekend is going to tell us a lot. Thursday, Friday, Saturday at Vanderbilt. Um, I don't think Vanderbilt's necessarily a great offense, so it gives you a chance to to you know put guys into different roles if you're ahead. Um, obviously, we know who will pitch the back end of games. We know who's going to going to start on Friday and Sunday. Um, and, and I'm sure we'll get to the Saturday thing here in a minute. But no, it, it, it certainly feels like roles are starting to get established.
1: And Ole Miss, once again this weekend, I was I was ready to kind of write a note or have something ready for the podcast about how they didn't get linked that they're starting pitching again. As I was again, I caught I was in and out a little bit this weekend, kind of like you. Um, as I mentioned earlier, I went and saw MC out in Dallas and I was like, all right, last weekend for conference play, I'll try to put this on the back burner at least just a little bit for one weekend before she hates me and it's not even May yet. Um But I watched most of the Saturday – I went back and watched most of – or most all of the Saturday game this morning after being out of pocket Saturday, and then watched pretty much all the Sunday game on my fight back on American Airlines until the last, like, 35 minutes, the American Airlines Wi-Fi was just like, actually, just kidding. You're not going to watch any more of this because we stopped working. Um, But point being, I was kind of going through it, and I was kind of kind of like shaping up a thought about how they're not getting much length in the starting pitching. But then all of a sudden, Revis goes six innings, and it kind of throws a wrench into that. But point being, they didn't get, like, stupid length overall out of their three starters. But if you want to spin that from a bullpen standpoint, by my math here on this notepad by hand, the Ole Miss bullpen this weekend alone covered or spanned – yeah, they covered 12 and a third innings. They scattered eight hits. They only allowed two earned runs and seven walks and 15 strikeouts. Now, the seven walks isn't terrific by any means, but it's not like it's a walk or inning or anything. But they basically spanned – Half-ish, a little less than half of the innings played this weekend and were a pretty pivotal reason why Ole Miss was 3-0 and on the weekend and completed the sweep. They kept them in games and they were behind and they really held the door steady when they were ahead. And I thought that was a pretty uh, kind of pivotal moment or at least a sign for a bullpen that at least for the first two and a half weekends or so had some real question marks.
0: Yeah. No, look, the 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 question on this team, I think, at this point, is obviously the bullpen. Um I thought it was important today that that the offense wasn't necessarily very good. I think you could maybe argue this may have been the offenses outside of the Savakul start on a Friday night um when it was cold and and he was really good, that this may have been the offense's worst game of the year. and they 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 were able to get the job done with because the pitchers held Purdue at bay. Now we can argue what kind of quality team quality of team Purdue is. Um, but I thought that was important. So, We'll see. I, I think this offense is going to be tremendous in SEC play, and everybody does this thing, and I get it. It's like, oh, well, you know, the offense is good, but how good is it going to be in SEC play? It's going to be really good in SEC play. Um, but you're, you're talking about guys that are experienced in, in, in the SEC with, you know, McCants and Gonzalez and, and, and Alderman and Harris, and you're talking about guys like Clarko and, and Groff that certainly have um, Division one experience as well. It's – um, look, this offense can carry this team. I I'll say it like this. I don't think the pitching is so poor right now that this offense can't continuously bail it out. And I think when Hunter Elliott comes back, um, it's going to make this team extremely, extremely good.
1: I think you're on to something with that, too. And you mentioned, like, the offense and people doing the question of, like, well, how good is it going to be an SEC play? Well, in some senses, I think non-conference play, when you're looking not only at Ole Miss, but as the conference in college baseball as a whole, but particularly just looking across the Southeastern Conference, I think the eye test is more important than the raw numbers. And one of the reasons I say that, I'm glad you kind of brought it up in that way, is if you actually just look at the league-wide team raw numbers, talking like runs scored, batting average, slugging percentage, whatever you want to go with, home runs and all that, Ole Miss is like technically a... Top third, but like upper middle of the pack offense. But your eyes obviously don't tell you that. I, I, I was, my point being this, they're third in the league in batting average. They're sixth in slugging, sixth in on base, seventh in runs scored, sixth in hits, sixth in runs batted in. Uh Second to last and tied for last in doubles. Uh, that doesn't really mean anything, but you get my point. Middle of the pack in total bases. Your eyes don't tell you that. And there is no world. I don't think where Ole Miss is the sixth best offense in the SEC out of 14 teams. So I guess what I'm saying is if you have that question, I would say trust your eyes because they actually are probably going to end up telling a different story. Whereas some of these other numbers, Alabama hadn't really played anybody. Florida had that ranked series against Miami, but a couple of these other teams haven't really played anyone either. I'd throw LSU in that category. Those are going to fall off. Whereas you have the benefit of the doubt in terms of experience and Ole Miss. And I guess to kind of close that long-winded point, I would just say trust your eyes on this because they're going to be a good offense. It, it's yeah. a bunch
0: of dudes that have been there, done that. I would argue this offense is the second best offense in the SEC before I argued it was the sixth. I'm trying to think. Oh, 100%. I think – I think I actually would say they're the second best offense. Is that is that kind of where you're at? I'm just tra- LSU. I think is clearly better. Um,
1: yeah, I mean, look, Alabama from the little I've watched and kind of seen some of the numbers, they look pretty damn explosive. And then Florida's obviously got that one kid that's the show—a tiny kid that's kind of going off. But I'd kind of like to see it more in conference play. But yes, I would clearly argue that they're the second best before I argue the six, which I, kind of underscores the point. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. So. No, this offense, like like I said, I think this offense will be good enough where that you don't have to be perfect or great on the mound. Um, and then I think they've got a chance to be really good on the mound when Hunter Elliott returns, if he returns at full strength. Um, so, look, I, we're going to see. Well, it, it's not going to get easy, uh, or it's not going to get easier because what they go to Vanderbilt next weekend who, um, you know, I don't think Vanderbilt swings it great, but they are certainly going to be loaded on the mound because that's what happens when you have 87 scholarships and get – people that throw 96 miles an hour and put them on your bench and forget they exist. Um, but look, I mean, we're play they're playing Vanderbilt and then they're playing Florida who's really good. And then you're playing, you're going to AM. So it's about to get real for the Rebels. Um, you look at these first three series and if you're an Ole Miss fan, man, if they can get out of this five and four, you'll certainly take that. Um, so no, I-, I think, I think that's good. I think we're going to see what this team is made of really, really quickly. Um, and it's going to force them to to, to define roles in this bullpen um, without Hunter Elliott, which I think can be a benefit going forward for this team. Absolutely.
1: And before we get to the Saturday piece of it, because I think that's probably one of the big bubbling storylines from a question mark perspective. Um, I was totally blindsided by this until I turned a game on on Friday night. Uh, do you know like. I had no idea our man uh, Greg Goff, was in the dugout for the Purdue. I did know that they they hired <laughs> him on purpose.
0: Yeah, uh, so so he got fired from Bama for like I don't know cutting the entire team. Um, Going with, five twenty four and one, I think there might have been some recruiting violations
1: in there mixed in as well. Not not a great uh, a, a slate across the board in that one. I'm pretty year. sure my <laughs> man
0: got in trouble. Um, uh, I'm. Pretty sure my man got in trouble at Campbell when he was there for recruiting. Um, let's see, Greg Goff Campbell recruiting violations, but yeah, I, I did know that he was hired as an assistant at Purdue, yeah. Um, and then he uh, was named the head coach when the, the coach at Purdue left, yeah. That just
1: totally bonds on me. He's been there since the COVID year, I just didn't know what our man Greg Goff was up to, but um. Good for him, I guess. He parlayed a 1934 and one year, 5 and 24 in the conference at Alabama into a head coaching job at Purdue three years later. So, uh, you know, good gig if you can get it, I guess. But I was totally blindsided by that. I was like, is that the same Greg Goff? And I had to look it up. I was like, that is absolutely the same Greg Goff. So uh, congrats to him and the impending uh, violations by Purdue. Also heard a pretty crazy story about (laughs) an alumni party and Greg Goff I'm not going to share it on the air cuz I don't know it well enough to remotely know whether it's true or not. But I think you so are the- hear this fair than. Look, you don't get fired after year 1 no matter how bad you are if you don't ruffle some feathers in addition to being bad. Like it's yeah. hard not to get the benefit of the doubt after year 1. Is that fair?
0: Yeah, like how many how many people got fired after year 1 in in college sports without you know like essentially committing a crime? Yes, exactly.
1: Like you just, it, 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 it kind of, you can read the tea leaves there and be like, oh, this guy probably wasn't just a peach to be around all the time and deal with on a daily basis is probably what you should read into that. Um. Anyway, the overarching story, I think, from the last week or two, or really this non-conference late, is what Ole Miss is going to do on Saturday. Um. Grayson Sonnier struggled in this game. It's been a very interesting Um, I would call it four starts for Grayson Sonnier through the non-conference slate because there have been bits and pieces of really, really good stuff in, I would say, almost each of the four starts that he's had. I mean, like for example, last weekend at Minnesota, I know the Gophers aren't very good. He goes up five runs on eight hits, but he makes it five innings and he strikes out 11. I mean, that's not easy to do no matter how, how many you're facing. In this game, after kind of the debacle that was the second inning, he pitches a perfect, I believe a one, two, three, third and a one, two, three, fourth, but they had to get him out of there because he's at 93 pitches. I'll kick it to you and kind of ask where you want to go with this or let you take it any way you want. But it seems to me he's not throwing enough strikes and not making enough quality pitches in critical moments and counts to kind of get the job done. There's bits and pieces of good there. It's just not nearly consistent enough from a command standpoint.
0: Yeah. So it's it's tough, right? Um and people do the Gunner thing, and I get it because everybody's like, "Oh, you saw all the talent with Gunner, and they let him pitch through it, and he figured it out." And you're right, but at the end of the day, with Gunner, if you remember, Gunner Gunner consistently threw the ball in the strike zone, and that, to it, a fault. yeah, to to a fault, you're right, but that at least gave you the opportunity because this is what I preach to our kids all the time: if you throw it in the strike zone, they might accidentally hit it at somebody because because it's really hard to hit a baseball where somebody's not. Um, but if you're consistently out of the zone, I, I just I don't know how that is going to play in SEC play. I'm sure that that Bianco is going to give him continue to give him opportunities. And look, the talent is 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 obvious, right? I just wonder when the line becomes, hey, his his inability to consistently throw strikes um, is hurting your team more than helping it. Um, so you know, I, it's hard for me to see them. Um, putting somebody on on in a weekend spot, going into SEC play that has never really started. Because if you think about the guys on this team, right, that have started baseball games, college baseball games before, we're talking about that are available. Literally, we are talking about four people: the three in the rotation and JT Quinn. Am I missing somebody? Mm, no. Okay, so you're talking about it, it, Nickle. Nichol- people- I don't know if Nicholas has ever made a start. I don't think he, so. He is. He is not. Okay. Um, so when when you talk about, you know, hey, you need to replace him. All right, with who is the answer? JT Quinn and maybe that is. Um, but but it's. I don't think. I'll, I'll say this. They have to be better on Saturday. I think that Mike Bianco is going to continue to give Grayson Sonia a, a every opportunity to be the guy on the weekends. I wonder if it would benefit him more to move to Sunday. Um, because I think Rivas, frankly, here's, here, here's just my opinion. I think Ole Miss should treat Saturday and Sunday the same this year. Just whoever's out on the mound, just give you a chance. Because I think this offense is good enough to, to ambush Saturday and Sunday pitching. So if whoever can keep you in the game or whoever's on the mound can keep you in the game, you could be fine. I do wonder if he would benefit some from moving to Sunday.
1: It's an interesting thought. I mean, I I think there's definitely merit to that too, particularly when you have Rivas coming off his strongest start of the year. And possibly, depending on how you want to gauge that with what Doherty did in game one against Maryland in Minnesota, maybe the best start that Ole Miss has had by a starting pitcher um, this season. He was really, really good today, and he was really, really effective. And to your point about uh, Sonia, and throwing the ball, like you said, what did you say? If you throw it in the strike zone, they might accidentally have to hit it at some point. Well, in his four starts, he's only spanned 15 and two thirds innings, which is not great for a Saturday guy. And he's also walked 13 people. And I think that was really encapsulated in a lot of ways in this start on uh, Saturday against Purdue. Um, I mean, I just have it a couple of little notes that I made right here. Um, before he recorded an out in the top of the second where the top of the first got a little bit messy, but he was able to escape with no damage. He had thrown 52 pitches before an out was recorded in the second inning and Purdue had had five base runners without recording a hit. I mean, at a certain point, that's just not going to play. I mean, I like I'm trying to think of an example to use, but it doesn't matter how talented you are or how good you can be in spots to recover from that. If if Doug or Gunner put themselves in positions like that more often than not, it would blow up on them. Like, I I guess that's kind of my point. It doesn't matter who you are. If you put yourself that far behind the eight ball, it doesn't matter how talented you are or how good you can be in short flashes. You're just never going to recover from that. No matter who you're playing, particularly not in this league.
0: Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I mean, you look, you cannot consistently pitch from behind and pitch in bad counts in this league and be successful. So the question becomes, and at some point, this is one or two things is either going to happen. I, I, I will say this Grayson Sonia, and, and and I think everybody knows this. He cannot continue to pitch the way he has pitched um, in non conference play and remain in the weekend rotation for Ole Miss. Is that fair? Yes. No, I, I'm with you. I'm just curious to see how long the leash is, though, in the conference play. Here, we'll start right. here.
1: Yes or no? Does he start next Saturday?
0: Yes. Or so, yes. excuse me, next
1: Friday? Isn't this a
0: Thursday, Saturday deal? Uh, No, I won't. I won't. I won't. Agree to next Friday. I believe he he starts one of the three games for Ole Miss this week. Oh, okay, I, yeah. That fair way to phrase it. Yeah,
1: sure. Next Friday. Does he start next weekend? I think yes. Yes,
0: yes. I do. Out of
1: the lack of options, right? If this yeah, was that's a different, thing. Deal, it's like who do
0: you replace him with?
1: Well, if this was twenty twenty one, yeah, no, twenty nineteen. Excuse me. Remember when Doug was kind of coming along after right. that world series and game? And if there was a guy like that bubbling, the answer sure. would probably be different, don't you think? The point is, like right now, the difference is. They just they don't have that. Yeah.
0: Um, so I, I think they're going to give the kid with all the talent in the world um, every opportunity. And obviously, I'm sure what Mike's thinking, maybe in the back of his head is if I can just get Elliot back, I can get him in the bullpen. So so and I don't know. Have you heard a, a target date for when Elliot will rejoin the, the rotation? Have you heard anything?
1: Mid-April, which I Mid-April. guess would be
0: depending on how you define that, I'm I'm guessing that's the Mississippi State Series and Super Bulldog Weekend, So week four, week five. So it at some point, like somebody else is going to have to continue to pitch on Saturdays. Besides, you know, Hunter Elliott or Jack Doherty. Look, you just hope that the kid with all the talent in the world figures it out. Now, it's it's the point you made. And it was a great one. How long is this leash? Because I don't think he can continue to con to, to post the outings that he's posted the past what. Two to three weekends, um, and remain in the rotation for Ole Miss. So I think they'll give him the opportunity, especially next week against Vanderbilt. Um, but then at that point, it, it, if it goes poorly again, do you give him the opportunity against Florida? I, I just don't know. Um, so I, it's it, it's two things. One, he has got all the talent in the world. There's no doubt about that. Um, but he he does he's, he is going to have to pitch better in SEC play, just in my opinion, for for him to remain in the rotation.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. And the 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 uh Rivas start today really kind of gives you something to think about just in terms of like you mentioned, can you move him around and would it help if he started on Sunday? I don't know. I don't know how much of a difference that would make. I think it would make some. Would that work or suit him better? So I I I think this this Sunday game was important from the bullpen perspective, as we covered earlier, but also just like, hey, Rivas seems like he's figuring this. Rivas is going to give you a chance most nights. Like, let's just say they had injuries galore, and for whatever reason, I don't even know if this is the greatest like hypothetical in the world, If Rivas had to start on Fridays, he'd probably give you a chance. He's not going to be a great Friday guy and you're going to be at a disadvantage. But I just haven't seen anything from Rivas yet to where they're just going to be completely pitched out of games, kind of a la Derek Diamond. He hasn't been great by any stretch throughout every single one of his starts. But he seems to kind of have enough of a composure. He's got enough stuff there. Like, for example, today, Mike had a note after the game where he was like, yeah, he pretty much just ditched the breaking ball. And they went slider fastball with the occasional changeup. And it worked awesome. Like, he's kind of got that veteran sense to adapt on the fly and kind of make things work. I guess the Maryland start would be the one where it went sideways for him rather than quickly, I guess, it would be the one. example of it going the other way but overall he's been pretty good for you so i guess my point is he's going to give you a chance on saturdays if you can do it and if that helps um if that helps sonye to move to sunday then i'd be interested to see what it looks like and how different you know there's a mentality thing with all of this too what's the different mentality between saturday and sunday or game one game two and three with sonye i'd be fascinated to kind of see what that looked like
0: i I just i just thought about that that's a really good point it's like the doug thing friday to Saturday, doug day was saturday for a reason well, here, here's my thing, right? Um, if let's just hypothetically, Ole Miss is one and oh in a regional right now, right? One and oh, and you obviously getting the two O in, in a regional is is of the utmost importance. Who are you trotting out there to get to two and oh, Sanya or Revis? Revis. Okay, if Ole Miss is down 0-1 in a super regional, who are you trotting out there, Sonia or Revis? Revis. I don't. I think the, the move is somewhat obvious. They, they, they talk about the importance of of swing day, right? And how yeah. important that is, and that's been a thing in this program. And I agree with it, that they put so much importance on the second game of the series. Kind of hard for me to, to take that at face value if you're not pitching your second-best option in the second game of the series. Does that make sense? So, so I think it would behoove Ole Miss. To, to move Revis to, to Saturday. I know that the role is he's done really well in the Sunday role, but I think, look, maybe it's just me, but when I look at those two guys, I certainly, as an Ole Miss fan, I certainly feel more comfortable with Revis on the mound right now. And maybe that changes by the end of the year because Sonia, again, has all the talent in the world. But as of this moment, I think if you're down 0-1 in a series and you're trying to tie this joker up, you, you're, you're going to want uh, Xavier Revis on the mound.
1: Yeah, I, I, I don't have much to add to that either. I, I think it's a, it's a move that is probably looming unless there's something out there that we don't know about. Did you make anything? I know today you were kind of out of pocket a little bit. Um, They threw JT Quinn today and tried to throw him beyond one inning. I think he ended up walking a guy or something. This is about when my Wi-Fi went out and they had to pull him. Is that just him not getting any action since Tuesday, and them doing it? Is, do you hold any any carry any significance to the fact that he pitched today a little bit extended? I'll I'll look at his pitch count in
0: a second. No, um, because if I remember right, he comes in to, to a very very touchy situation, and yeah, and has- bases loaded, or no, excuse me, they had two on, and then he
1: like hit or walked a guy and then got out. Yeah. Of
0: it. yeah. No, I mean, look, you 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 go max effort there to get out of that situation, and you talk about a kid that started midweeks, right? And it's a different deal when you, when you're a starter, you know, you don't, you don't turn up the, the, the gas like that in the fourth inning, but Hey, it's in the eighth inning we got guys bases loaded one out. I, I'm just gonna have to max out here because I got to get us out of this inning. Right. And then you go cool back down and you have to get up and back do it again. And I'm not saying he can't do that. I'm saying that that it's possible that may be played into it some. Um, so no, it's not, it's not necessarily something I hold against him for sure. Um, I think and, and that's something that Ole Miss is going to have to answer this week because they go to Jacksonville State on Tuesday um what are you what are you going to do um with JT Quinn if you think he can help you on the back end of the bullpen are you comfortable starting him for four innings or five innings on Tuesday night okay if and if you're not well who's going to start on Tuesday nights because look we can we can say midweeks don't matter all they want um all we want but at the end of the day there's a lot of RPI opportunities within the midweek when you talk about Southern Miss when you talk about Mississippi State so it's it's a question that Ole Miss has to answer quite frankly if you remember back over the past few years um, Ole Miss doesn't they don't just throw random dudes in midweeks like they they give their midweek starter is usually a pretty solid pitcher Um, so I'm, I'm just curious how Mike thinks that's going to or how he's going to manage that going forward if you think your midweek starter is one of your best options in the back end of the bullpen on the weekend. All right, we'll get back to
1: Colin Brister in just a second. But before we do, I wanted to remind you that this podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp. BetterHelp is... The world's largest online therapy service, BetterHelp, has helped match 3 million people professionally with licensed and vetted therapists available 100% online. It's affordable, too. Sometimes it's just nice to talk to someone. Life doesn't really come with the user manual, so when it's not working for you, maybe you feel a little bit stuck. It's easy to just talk to someone. It helps a bunch. There's all kinds of benefits to therapy. BetterHelp is a fully proven online therapy service that will connect you with a licensed therapist online. Again, you don't even have to be on camera if you don't want to. And they can help you with coping skills, how to overcome trauma, all kinds of different things to make sure your brain, your body, and your mind are functioning at peak capacity. Check them out, betterhelp.com. Use the promo code MPW, and that'll get you 10% off. The podcast is also brought to you by Athletic Greens. Athletic Greens is a comprehensive nutrition solution formulated to support whole body health with 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, and whole food source ingredients. I'm not always the best about eating right. I don't always give the body the new nut- my body the nutrients it needs. I tried BetterHelp. Take it in the morning. AG1 before uh, coffee it really helps get the day going. And I know my body has all the nutrients it needs to function at peak capacity. You should give it a try too. It's delicious. It is easy. You can take it in the morning, whenever on the go. Athletic Greens. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then Athletic Greens has given you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs for your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash mpw. That's athleticgreens.com slash mpw to check it out. All right, back to Colin Brister. And to some kind of to, to, to I guess, dub, or uh, bring this conversation full circle a little bit, it is worth mentioning that... um Quinn was somewhat effective against Southern Miss. I mean, he goes four innings. I think he allowed one earner and run three hits, a strikeout, and a couple walks. Like, is that an option to be the Saturday guy? I have no idea. I mean, I don't think he's overwhelmingly shown enough yet. But, you know, he was pretty effective in that spot he got. Maybe it was one of those things where they were trying to figure out if they can help him on the weekend. And he can help out of the bullpen on the weekend and you could find something else in the week. I don't know, but do you give any credence to the idea of him being moved into the weekend rotation at any point to fill that one spot in question with Sonier?
0: Um, yeah, it, it's certainly a possibility, and I think if they were going to make a move, that's where they would go just simply because he has started games before. So, I look, I don't know. I mean, Mike's got decisions to make over the next few days regarding that. Obviously, Sonia is not going to be a candidate to start on Tuesday against Jacksonville State. So, if you are going to move Quinn, you're going to have to find a new uh, midweek guy just for this week at least. I don't right. Know. It's a tough situation um, if Sonia can't, um, you know, find it in the starting role. But I, I think if it were me, I would, I would certainly trot Sonia back out there on Sunday and see if that has any difference. Um, because, frankly, what you need on Sunday is different than what you need on Saturday. Um, So, I look, I would keep giving the kid with the talent because here's the reality of the situation, at least for me. um, I don't think who you're going to replace Sonya with right now um, is going to be that much of an improvement. So I would at least give the kid, with all the talent in the world, the opportunity to pitch himself out of it and become more comfortable until you just get to the point where he's hurting you much more than he's helping you.
1: One thing Mike is probably not losing a ton of sleep over upon and over is the offense. Um, They were pretty, they were really damn good on Friday night. They were good enough on Saturday and just kind of good enough again on Sunday. Uh, I guess to start off the breaking news from the uh, offensive standpoint of this weekend, uh, Kim Potterman hits it hard uh, a lot of the times.
0: I respect Greg Goff so much. He was just like, on Sunday, he was just like, nope, we ain't doing yeah. that. Nope. <laughs>
1: Good. (laughs) No, thanks. Do you think he was concerned for any of his players' safeties? Because Kemp did have one, (laughs) uh, I believe, on Saturday that clocked in at 118 mile an hour on the exit view. Chase Parham had the nice note that I think so far in spring training, um, there has only been, I think, three balls in Major League Baseball clock in at around that mark. Um, So do you think they're going to make them wear
0: masks and stuff when he comes up to the plate? Because it would seem like that might be relevant. Uh, so I've not been to left field recently. Um, do you think, like, if you had a kid playing in the playground out there, do you think when Kemp came up you would get him out of the playground and just to make sure he was okay? Well, I'd get him out of the front row, that's for sure. If you get one of those tall <laughs> arching shots that go a little further,
1: you know, you might just be looking at a mild concussion versus death if he's on that first row. And say that line drivey home run he hit for the walk-off, you know, if that, <laughs> if that clears the bullpen but kind of holds its line, uh, the guy sitting on the front row of the left field or right field or wherever that ball is gonna end up going, um, better have his head on a swivel, otherwise, he's gonna have a real issue on his hands.
0: Here's a, here's I mean, a- you
1: think you talk about you mentioned that, that golf today was like, nope, not do it with alderman. Well, let me tell you the difference. I love the old Miss Baseball Analytics Twitter account. They put like the top five, top six exit viewers for each game Friday night. Kim Alderman, 118, 110. That's the top two. Um, <laughs> Saturday, hold on, I got it here. Kim Alderman, one twelve. Kemp Alderman 112. Kemp Alderman 111. So, Sunday, it goes Groff Harrison McCants at 108, 105, 104 because they didn't let Alderman hit the baseball. So you told me when Greg Goff decided we're
0: not letting this guy swing again. So yeah. that is absurd. He is a, he is. So what is, let's see, Kemp's OPS, Um, uh, just a measly 1.326. He's hitting 390 and has eight home runs. Good God. DJ McCants has six home runs. Holy wow. Yeah, he looked like himself again. Two home runs on Friday. Um, He looks pretty awesome. Yeah, and hit one on Saturday. So uh, the Ole Miss Rebels are hitting 343 and have a 1.037 OPS. That seems good. Here are um the OPSs of Ole Miss's top eight hitters. So Jacob Gonzalez, 1.088. Ethan Groff, 1.193. Kemp Alderman, 1.326. Calvin Harris, uh, a poor 1.002. Um, Anthony Clarko, 1.008. TJ McCants, 1.174. And then Peyton Chatagnier, 1.177. The DH options of Will Furness, 839. And then Judd Utermarks is a little down, 696. And then Lege is 660. So your first seven dudes have OPSs over one. Good God, that seems okay. That seems miserable.
1: <laughs> that does seem miserable. If you're on the other end of the uh, other end of that equation, you're a pitcher trying to figure figure the figure out how to get these guys out. The baseball analytics thing when they tweet like the exit velocities velocities after each game is is pretty insane. I mean, you look at February 19th. I think that was the Sunday game against uh, I forget whoever they played opening weekend. Oh, Delaware. It's Alderman who hit 116 twice and then 112 and then 110. He was the top four by himself in terms of exit. Was, you go the next uh, Sunday, Kemp Alderman, 110, 108. I mean, he's he's doing this in the one-teens on a regularity where you're occasionally seeing Colarco or I think Leger had one ball in there where everyone else is kind of sniffing above 108, you know, I don't know, once or twice this year. Alderman's doing like four times a weekend.
0: So – Good Lord. You know what's so I'm just looking at Ole Miss's stats page. So, who do you think the fastest human being that plays for Ole Miss is? Oh, man. Like speed wise? Yeah.
1: I. Is it Garrett Wood?
0: I don't know. I don't have a good answer. Uh, it's got to be Groff, right? Because he moved TJ. Yeah, out. yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Sorry. I, th-
0: that, so, was a dumb an- that was a dumb answer. So, Groff, so Groff, Groff leads the team in uh, people that have grounded into double plays. That just seems silly. But, no, here's the actual, like, stat that if I'm looking at it from an opposing point of view, I'm like, what the hell do I do? They have 98 strikeouts on the year Ole Miss does, okay? They have 89 walks. It's almost – it's not quite, but it's really close to one-to-one. That's Which is weird. quite the ratio. That is really hard to do. You include hit by pitches, it's like 108 to 98. It They don't – here, in all seriousness, what they do is – and it's really impressive. They don't swing at pitches really outside of the zone. Sometimes they get beat in the zone, right? Like sometimes, hey, the guy throws a really good fastball and a really good slider mix. Sometimes that happens. But when you look at Ole Miss's offense consistently, just to the naked eye, I don't have any any advanced stats to back this up. They do a really good job of not coming out of the zone. If you're going to beat them, you're going to have to beat them in the strike zone. And sometimes you will. But I, I, I just continuously see, and this is certainly an approach thing, and Mike Clement deserves a ton of credit for this, they do not get beat because they swing at bad pitches. So then you've got to come into the strike zone to get them out, and they're good enough when you do that to ambush you. Well said. And it's 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 very rare. I mean, if you're thinking about it from like a
1: watching the game standpoint, there's very few instances. I imagine if you're an Ole Miss fan, you're like, Jesus, what a terrible back there. They didn't even give themselves a shot. That doesn't happen a ton where if you juxtapose that, remember when the offense was really struggling at points last year and you kind of have some non-competitive at and you're like, Jesus, like what? Like, it's always hard to critique, like, what are those guys doing up there? Because, you know, we're all not D1 athletes. But there were several of those at certain points last season when they were struggling. Not very many of those to go by so far this year. You're right. They make you beat, they make you beat them in the zone and don't swing at a ton of bad pitches. So it's uh, – that offense – And another thing about that, you talk about the almost one-to-one ratio – Think about the amount of games almost has had that hasn't gone nine innings. Like, would that be one-to-one if they got to continue beating up on Delaware pitching probably or so. a
0: couple of these other ones
1: throughout the course of the non-conference schedule? I'd say it would probably be even closer to
0: one-to-one. Yeah, probably so. Um, almost 16 out of 22 from a stolen base standpoint. That's pretty solid. Ethan Groff, nine of ten, really solid. TJ McCants has only stolen two bases this year. But I guess when you just hit the ball out of the park and jog around them, you don't have to steal any of the bases. They just let you have them. Um, so, yeah, this offense, man, they fill up stat sheet. It's uh, And that that's what you look for is filling up stat sheets. Look, obviously the the question um, – and, and obviously Leger's probably not had the start. He wants to. But Leger, I know he, he maybe didn't have a great day today at third base, but, but he's been really, really good at third base. And certainly you can afford – um one guy to maybe not swing it in all se. it's not like he's been bad at the plate um but you can afford one guy to maybe not be elite at the plate if he's going to provide the the, the defense that Leger provides but the question obviously, is hey what are you doing at DH and it looks like it has come down between Will Furness and Judd Utermark for that spot
1: yeah I think those are the two candidates and you know it's one of those positions where you can kind of uh, afford to have a bit of a revolving door some of it can be matchup dependent it's a uh, it's, yeah, I I think that's probably fair to say. And when you talk about the offense and the importance of it going forward in SEC play until you get uh, 100 Elliott back, it really is going to lend itself this weekend. Like, if they can hit elite pitching and get to Vanderbilt and get into their bullpen, that's going to help Ole Miss tremendously from the sheer fact of Vanderbilt. I don't know if you saw what they did this week in the non-conference play. Granted, they blasted Tennessee Tech. I guess that the, the 2018 hey, not walking through the door there for the Eagles or whatever the hell they're called. their coach um, coaching
0: back. They wait. Their coach is back. Yeah. So the the coach after eighteen left to go to Rice, but he stunk it up at Rice. So they fired him, and now he's back at Tennessee Tech. Uh
1: God forbid if they're a three seed in Ole Miss's regional this year. Is a two seed. Be nice. Two seed. Excuse me. <laughs> two seed. Two um, seed. I don't know if they're making a dumb I don't think, think
0: this team's doing it. <laughs> Not this version of Tennessee Tech.
1: Vanderbilt goes 17 innings the next night with Evansville and wins two uh, to one. They played Loyola Marymount this weekend. They won a two to one game on Friday, won two to nothing Saturday and then lost nine to six today. That's not a team that's exactly swinging it with a ton of confidence. So that Kind of everything we've talked about through the kind of the conclusion of the old Miss piece of this podcast is really going to manifest itself next weekend. If you need the offense to carry you and it's going to be a decent litmus test for the pitching, because like, Hey, if, if Vanderbilt, you know, looks like a different version than it's looked over the last two weeks against Ole Miss pitching, you might have more problems
0: than you thought. Uh, yeah, that's certainly a good one. Oh my God, I just pulled up Vanderbilt stats. Is it bad to hit two forty seven against non conference teams? That's it's bad. not great.
1: They 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 have not swung it well. They've had a couple offensive outbursts. Uh, they had one against Texas, and there's another one mixed in there that I'm forgetting that mask what is otherwise a pretty pedestrian Austin P they got 11 runs and then they whipped up on UAB, like the first or second midweek of the season. Outside of that, it, it's a lot, a lot of bad. I mean, those, those, those two, three outings or excuse me, those two, three games are conflating some largely pretty rough numbers.
0: They've got one kid over an 800 OPS. Now it's, this kid's got a thousand OPS RJ Shrek never heard of him, but wow, they, uh, they cannot swing it. Um, So no, this is certainly a good matchup for Ole Miss. You can kind of see what you're made of. Now, if, like you said, if this team and this offense, or excuse me, this pitching staff goes up to Vanderbilt and gets his goes up to Vanderbilt and gets his face knocked off, then you're certainly concerned. Um, so, yeah, we'll we'll know a lot more on Saturday night after this team finishes up. This is a Thursday, Friday, Saturday series, which I've, it was that way last year, which kind of annoys me because at Thursday and Friday are the NCAA tournament. That's my like two favorite days of the year with basketball. Yeah, it's a tough one. Yeah, so uh, I'd prefer we not have to do that because now I've got to break out a second and third TV. Not great. That's okay. Um, but, yeah, no, look, we'll know a lot more on Saturday night um, about the Ole Miss Rebels. Hey, did Ole Miss do anything in basketball this week? I haven't heard anything. <laughs> they, uh, it is not announced yet. Um, I have a feeling that
1: by the time most people are listening to this podcast, it will be announced. Uh, it appears they are hiring Chris Beard to be the next
0: basketball coach. Thoughts? Um, I just feel like they, it, it's been, so that's, they've been hiring him for like a week. So just could somebody announce it? You <laughs> know, <laughs> I, I think
1: it. if it's not come by tomorrow, I'd probably be start asking some questions. I feel educatedly confident that that is coming tomorrow morning as in Monday morning.
0: I'll, uh, so I'll defer and I'm sure we'll get back to baseball in a minute, but I'll defer to you for thoughts wise. I'm, I'm not the biggest college basketball staff. Like I watch and I enjoy it. Um, I think my question would become: Can, if Chris Beard can't win at Ole Miss, then you can't win at Ole Miss. Like I I think at that point, that's just proven, right? Like if we look up in three years and this guy's made it to like you know one NCAA tournament as one of the last four teams in, it's probably just start fair to start asking yourself: Can Ole Miss win at basketball? Yeah, so I mean, I think the guy went we'll
1: 30-5 his lone year at Arkansas yeah. at Little Rock, won a game in the NCAA tournament. He took Texas Tech to an Elite Eight and took them to the national title game. And I thought he almost even more impressively took them to the round of 32 the next year after the national title appearance when they had some roster turnover, some injury issues, and they really just kind of bulldogged their way to it. Look – all the off-court stuff aside for the purpose of like this piece of the conversation, he is an elite coach that some people consider a top-five coach in the sport. I, Neil wrote a story from Nashville on Wednesday where he solicited feedback from um, other coaches. I think he got Bruce Pearl. He got uh, maybe Rick Barnes and one other on the record. I forget. It's a very interesting story. From a coaching industry perspective – he has an immense amount of respect. I mean, they they were saying stuff like he will win everywhere he goes. He has no hobbies. All he does is basketball. He will recruit everywhere he goes, and he will win no matter what. Ole Miss will be infinitely better in basketball immediately, like that kind of stuff. So you're right. I mean, if they if they can't win with Chris Beard, then maybe just fold up shop. I don't know. But, I mean, this is a hire that was born out of desperation, I think. I think Keith Carter is tired of the Ole Miss basketball program being a doormat, and this is your best possible chance to not be a doormat. Is it somewhat akin to the Kiffin hire? Oh, 100%. I mean, if he uses the word splash in the opening press conference, which I think will happen on Tuesday, just a guess, um... I mean, to say almost the exact same thing. They just, it needs an injection of life. There's no, you can't tell me that Keith Carter walked in the pavilion over the last, you know, two years, basically saw those empty seats and it just sat well with them. I, I think it's very much akin to the Kiffen hire. You're just getting a much more proven coach who's even more highly thought of. And I don't mean to knock Kiffen on that. Everyone knows Kiffen's story. He'd come back from, FAU after kind of flaming out and then going to the savings School of Rehabilitation or whatever. This is a little bit different. This is a top five proven coach who is doing top five proven coach things as recently as December of 2022.
0: Yeah, that's the thing that so obviously he's not coaching the team. That's why he's going to be announced as the Ole Miss coach tomorrow if, if, if what you said is correct and I have no reason to believe it's not. Um, but I don't know if anybody noticed, but the team here recruited beat Kansas by 20 in the Big 12 title game yesterday.
1: And probably, if not for a little season slump when they were kind of trying to find themselves immediately after the beard thing, would be a one seed.
0: Yeah, yeah. So they're really the qu- good. The question becomes: Can you recruit at Ole Miss? And I think you can. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, I don't. I don't know all the ins and outs of NIL, but and and you can correct me if I'm wrong. I thought Kermit recruited okay at Ole Miss. Like, I yes, thought he didn't
1: build people. rosters well. He recruited well. And that's one of the things I've read a couple of different ways that Beard puts a lot more thought in. He oh, was building. He builds a team well. He just doesn't get dudes. Like Kermit got some dudes. I would say the depth of his recruiting was not good. But, you know, the breakfields, the the rough the wells like there, that. Right. Yeah, he did pretty good. Beard seemingly kind of builds teams better is kind of the sense I've gotten so far, which is certainly something they need.
0: Yeah. Um. Brakefield entered the transfer portal today. I saw that. I saw that. I thought that was interesting and a bit surprising. James White is in the transfer portal. Have you seen anybody else?
1: Uh, not yet, but I doubt that's the last one. I'll put it that way.
0: Um, If you're those kids, though, right, like, don't you at least hold – because now, since you've entered the transfer portal, now Ole Miss doesn't have – like, you know, Ole Miss – I don't know how cutting kids and processing kids works – but i feel like if if i'm them i'm not going to enter the transfer portal until i at least talk to the uh talk to the head guy of, of the, the the new head guy because now makes his job easier all he has to do is not renew your scholarship because you've entered yourself into the transfer portal
1: yeah and i guess it's kind of six one half dozen the other in some ways because you can't just get back out of the portal and the the thing that makes uh, breakfield a little surprising though is that he's already used his one time free transfer i'm assuming yeah, that, it's the it's grad a transfer grad transfer
0: deal if he leaves out. yeah i would assume he had to graduate
1: so uh, I don't know yeah. roster retention will be interesting. I'd say there's four candidates that Beard would probably want to consider keeping, and however many he sides down to or is able to keep will be the fascinating piece.
0: A- Abram, who who are the four you were thinking? Abram, obviously, um, morell
1: Brakefield, and Ruffin. Oh, actually, Breakfield. I don't know if I'd even even include Ruffin, but hey, talented really? enough, I guess I'll throw him in
0: there. He certainly is talented. Uh, James White played good minutes for them down the stretch, too. He's got to be able to guard better than what he did last year, though. That That's the problem with him, is man. And, and I don't – I can't – look, I'm not a basketball aficionado, especially from the college basketball realm. I feel like, Chris Beard, you're going to play defense or you're not going to be out there.
1: Yes. Slower style of play, too. Offense is a little grating. But uh, you are going to guard or you're not going to be out there. So, I don't know, man. We'll see. That's – uh. There's no real around the SEC segment from a baseball standpoint. It seemed like everyone kind of took care of business for conference play. Arkansas did sweep Louisiana Tech. Did anyone ask Lane Burroughs whose fault that
0: was? That's a good point. That's a good point. It looks like
1: they all went nine innings, so he's
0: going to have to reach deep in the bag to be mad about that. Well, good news for Lane, spin it positively. He keeps losing games, and there's no chance he has to come back to Oxford for a regional. He just won't go to any regional.
1: That is a good point. He won't have to deal with uh, Ole Miss not having lightning prevention tarp technology, which just shows they're behind the times and Ole Miss is not invested in baseball.
0: How pissed off would Burroughs have been in 2018 when right before the game, like you remember the regional, it like came a flood. Oh, yeah. How pissed off would he have been about that?
1: Uh, He doesn't seem to handle weather very well. So I think the more the rain and the harder the rain, he just the more
0: angry he gets. So I'd say very angry think maybe has like some you know how if you have arthritis like you uh you you know you start hurting when it's about to rain. I wonder if my man has some arthritis. That's why I hates weather so much. Maybe so
1: maybe that's just what made him cranky. Um that that's really all I can uh all I can muster of that because that that still you know two and a half weeks later makes as little sense as it did when I initially heard it just a Auburn lost the series to selah this weekend. I, I think- saw that that was not not, not great. Oh uh, you do that you figure Butch gets out of there while his name's
0: hot. I would. I mean, look, you 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 he's won as high. He's won as much as he can at Auburn. I don't I don't think Auburn is a place where you're going to consistently go to Omaha and make and, and, and win at that level. Um the question is what's gonna open that's worth taking. Um you know, for for all the jokes, I don't anticipate Mississippi State is coming open this weekend. Or not not this weekend, this year um the job that could come open and I don't know how they've done this year because because I need to go look if your butch in Georgia comes open former assistant at Georgia you consider that I don't know enough
1: about the intricacies of Georgia shouldn't suck at baseball There's exactly no- like they shouldn't but why do they you know what I mean fair enough well they shouldn't suck at basketball either and yet they do Exactly. So, like, Georgia lean uh, yes. Me. I mean, look, in any coaching industry, I mean, you know, fresh starts are as good as gold um, in any area. So, like, from a sheer just fresh start standpoint, maybe. Um, so, I don't know. That'd be a fascinating one. Would you take it if you were him?
0: Yeah, I probably would because and, – and, look, I don't know enough about the college baseball industry as far as coaches go, but if I'm him – um, I, I I just out from the outside looking in, I look at Georgia, look at Georgia as a freaking gold mine. You mean I can just go over to Cobb County and pull dudes and give them full scholarships? Um, and and I don't believe and look, I think we're we're a little a little bit ahead of ourselves, but that's what makes us fun. Um, if I'm him, like I just look at the ability because obviously Auburn has the scholarship limitations that that Georgia certainly wouldn't. Um, and I, I think the ceiling at Georgia is certainly much higher there. So, um. No, no, I, it's going to be interesting to see how good Auburn is this year because I know a lot of people last year didn't think they were going to be very good, and then they get to the College World Series and actually wind up winning a game. Um, so, um, be interesting to see how good they are this year. But, but if I'm Butch, I'm certainly, you know, not opposed to getting out of there.
1: One last note: I'm not sure if I have this totally correct. I just did this math on the fly, but since uh, LSU's lost to Iowa a couple weekends ago in that uh, Round Rock, Texas deal. I think by my math, they've outscored opponents 123 to 14. Good God.
0: I was told that Paul Skeens couldn't pitch in the SEC by people. Seems like that's working out for him okay. Yeah, I was I was told that Paul Skeens not an SEC um pitcher. So um he's gonna be like the third pick in the draft or something. Which uh, that that would that allude to the fact that you can't pitch
1: in the SEC, but uh, that'll just about cover, it, my man. We'll let you go. Good luck this week in the games, and we'll hire at you a little bit later on as the Rebels dive into SEC play. All right, sounds good, my man. All right, that's gonna do it for our show today. Thanks for listening, as always. As I mentioned at the top of the podcast, we'll have something with Bracken here on Tuesday talking about the new basketball hire, if uh, presumably it is Chris Beard. And then we'll be back, probably a little preview with Colin as Ole Miss Wade's into SEC play. So a bunch of good content coming down the pipe. Thank you for listening to this podcast. As always, we'll catch you here in a couple of days.